Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, Congress has passed a nearly $2 billion capital security bill. And I'll tell you, I don't, if I were one of those legislators, I'm not sure I would be super, super eager to pass that bill. I'll tell you a little bit about it and I'll tell you what I think about it. $2 billion? It's almost $2 billion, yeah. Hmm. So it says... It says the legislation would provide more funding to the Capitol Police to help backfill overtime pay for the agency until it can hire, train, and deploy more officers, bolster resources for its intelligence division. That's a red flag to me. Pay for new mental health counselors, I guess, for the cops. Oh, I wonder how much is going to that. I guess it's the trauma they experienced on January 6th. Maybe yeah, that's well, that's what they say. But I, I think there's something weird going on here. Reimburse the cost for equipment and services used in the wake of the attack. Like you just throw your riot gear off. And then on the other hand, they said that they didn't have enough equipment. Very weird. Those tiny little blockades that you could step over with one, just easily yeah. step over. They were pretending the, to fight over. Probably cost a lot of money. They need to replace those. Yeah, this seems very like a waste wasty but also agenda it would also get this is the one that like was super weird to me it would also retroactively allocate more than 520 million dollars to the national guard for the deployment of its troops to protect the capital from january 6th to may 23rd so they were standing there i mean on january 6th everyone went home on their buses by sunset to the point where Mitch McConnell hobbled back into the Senate and betrayed our country. So I don't really understand why they had to hang out there until May 23rd. So they're still there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's and they're just giving them money and uh, more than 66 million to the District of Columbia for its response to the riot. Now, they have a, there's just a lot wrong with that. But how much money did they give to all the other cities from all the protest last summer or right now in Wisconsin and everywhere in the old days in the old days before the 60s I heard this I think Robert Barnes was talking about this the first time I ever heard him interviewed that in the 60s they the municipalities the governments used to have to reimburse homeowners and business owners if their property was damaged in a riot that 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 they actually the Police and the government had a responsibility to pre- prevent rioting and to protect you from riots. Now, I, I think that that's not I, that's definitely not the case anymore. No, but, now they let yeah. them do it. I was watching a cop. He they was interviewed space, safe on space. Fox and he was saying that we were told to stand down as a Minnesota police officer. We were told to allow them to ransack the precinct and to not do anything and just to stand down. And he that's, felt that's why all the cops were quitting, obviously. Don't you remember when the Baltimore mayor said that? And people, I even thought she kind of misspoke. She said, we're just going to give you a space to riot. <laughs> and it was yeah. like, she can't have meant that. That's a crazy thing to say. So, it's so, like but, The Purge, the movie, kind of. Yes, yes. Or Landry on, for Star Trek fans yeah. the, in, of the body. So... This I don't I thought this might have been part of, but it's not this insurrection commission that's on tap, which, of course, it's 
as Ron Paul would say, the Warren, from the Warren Commission to the 9-11 Commission, commissions are cover-ups. Commissions are cover-ups. They're not investigations. So that's why you really don't want it, because what they do is craft a plausible narrative to deny the facts, and they ignore facts that would counter that narrative. You think they're going to carve out the 28 missing pages ahead of time, or will that come out (laughs) afterwards? Well, that's what they do is they take 28 pages that don't really have that much information in it. And then they black it out so that you spend 30 years wondering about that. And then when you see it, you're like, wow, they must have, they weren't really hiding much if this is all you got. You know, it's like the trailer of a movie. It's like, wow, that's a comedy because if that's the best you got, I don't think it's going to be that funny. So, but here's what is weird. And it it circles in with something that we were talking about yesterday. This Jeffrey Allen Lash story where the guy said that he was a, a government agent, like a CIA agent type guy. And that he was an an alien-human hybrid who's infected with a weird disease. He ate only raw meat. And then when he was dying, he told his girlfriend to call to just leave his body in in a car down the street from his house. She never got in any trouble for this, which was weird. He was there for two weeks. They finally got him out of there. And when they went to his house, they found hundreds of guns that were registered legally. So that was weird to me. And then somebody tweeted in response to our show that there was another case like that in LA in 2018. So the Jeffrey Allen Lash thing was older than 2018, I think. In 2018, thousands of guns and a staggering amount of ammunition was found in a Bel Air mansion owned by the ex-wife of Gordon Getty. So some guy was living there was associated with the ex-wife of Gordon Getty. Who's had Gordon all this- Getty? Gordon Getty of Getty Oil is also big in LA. There's the Getty Museum. His father, Gavin Newsom's father was, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Gordon Getty's financial manager. So Newsom is connected to the Gettys, connected to Pelosi. There's like six families. It's like the government California mob out here. So... I'm thinking, okay, it's like two degrees of separation from Gavin Newsom, who's the governor out here. And the guy gets arrested. I cannot find a follow-up on this story. He gets out on $50,000 worth of bail, of bond, bail, whatever. So if you put up a bond, that's $5,000 if I... If, if I recall correctly, I had to get people out of jail. It's been a while. But uh, so... He got out and I can't find any follow up on this guy. And it said he was a licensed gun dealer. And I don't know what they were charging him with, but the cops were staggered. They were like, I've never seen anything like this. So I'm saying in two years, within two years of each other, there are thousands of guns. And most of them appeared to me to be rifles with wooden stocks for whatever that's worth. And when I when I see also like the Q stuff. Uh, and and that connection to a military coup and pedophiles and race stuff being fomented to the point of violence. And then and then I see how they are locking down D.C., militarizing it, basically, with the lawmakers inside. That's why if I were a lawmaker, I wouldn't really want this, because when you put walls up, you have the National Guard there. You have the Capitol Police is super sketchy. Like, so I would be worried, as Ron Paul says, walls keep you in. And then, and now I'm saying with all of those guns, how many more of those stockpiles that are undiscovered? And this is also why you want local police and, you know, not feds, because 
these were all stumbled upon by local police. They were like people would notice it or whatever. And the local police, it gets covered up pretty shortly thereafter, but it gets out because the local police aren't in on it. And I just wonder if they are cooking something up, how many more mansions full of guns in nice neighborhoods of Pacific Palisades and Bel Air. Like, that's weird. And it makes me wonder, like the Uber driver who told me that his homies in Chicago were getting rocket launchers, clearly from the government, because who the hell else would have it, right? Dropped into the inner city. What the hell for? Crazy, crazy weapons. I think they're fomenting a real hot civil war, which is really just the hundred flowers, just the Hungarian revolution, just what Wesley Clark said happened in Iraq, like getting you to get out so they can mow you down. Doesn't Elon Musk sell flamethrowers? He does. Well, the only person I ever saw use a flamethrower was coming out of a tank in Waco. So yeah. you ever see that? But I just, I'm, I'm not trying to alarm people and I'm certainly not encouraging people to engage in it because I actually do not think that that's the answer. I don't, th- I don't believe in the bug. I just think that this is a setup and I think we've seen a lot of things that I would consider to be psyops or agents provocateur getting people to embrace this this route. And I and I when you see stuff like this, those guns are legal. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Seems like a setup. Seems like a setup to me too. Everything is agent provocateur right now. I just I just kind of presume that it's, with the way things like, are, are yeah. situated right now. It's like propaganda. It's like propaganda. It's completely it's there is no truth in it. That is why. And I don't know the answer to this. It's still unfolding. But I, if you will recall, and I think listeners will recall a couple of weeks ago, I said I read an article in The Washington Times and then it went the next day in The Wall Street Journal. I've never seen ever before. And there is definitely something up and there is a change in the narrative for some reason. Do you mind if I go into my next story? I've yeah, been, I haven't even I should say when I say I presume things are agent provocateur, I don't I don't just do that without checking into it but well if that's your default people, position yeah people uh, most people i would say don't even have that as a possibility when i would say that should be one of the main possibilities to consider up front when you see some of these events happen i i would say it's mostly and when you see them happen and they seem a little weird or the story's a little strange that's because it's not reality anymore yeah so here was the thing. It was the Israel. It is the story of Israel. And what caught my eye in these initial stories were it, it described the Palestinians as having rocks and the Israelis as having guns. And I've never seen that before in mainstream press, especially on the right. They just do not do that. It's the terrorists killed Israelis like that. They do that on the right also. Only the right. I, I don't read anything else. And it was the right. That's what I'm saying. I never saw it before. I get the Washington Times. I get the Wall Street Journal. Never saw it before, ever. That's what I knew. I knew it was coming up. So then I've got my finger on the pulse of teen culture right now. And when I heard teens talking about uh, poor Palestinians, I thought, uh, is this, has this penetrated the virtual world of teens? The yeah, I wonder where they heard it from. If they heard it at school or on TikTok, like it definitely what social media screened. platform. Yeah, it's definitely in the screens. And Bernie Sanders comes out against Israel and stuff. So here, here's where I want your reflection on this. So first of all, I, I think when we give aid to these people, Israel, Egypt, stuff, it goes directly, a lot of it goes directly to U.S. defense manufacturers. 
So like we are giving $3 billion to Israel. It's like, no, most of that is, or some of it, a lot of it, certainly with Egypt, it's most of it. We are giving it directly to the defense contractors. Like Tony and, Stark, Iron Man. Yeah. Before and they Iron are Man. sending it to those. That, that's it. It is a subsidy to the defense contractors. It's like vaccinations or fluoride. It's like, okay, it's you've got extra. So taxpayers will pay the companies to take that extra and give it to people who need it or don't need it, want it or don't want it. But it's all it, in my observation. What I believe is that it's just a subsidy, mostly subsidy defense. What's going on in Israel right now, I do believe that it is an authentic attempt of Netanyahu to hold on to power against the democratic will over there and that he's roping us in to that effort. And it's probably going to work. But, man, he is really in a last gasp. But here is where I thought it was interesting. I remember Elliot Abrams a long time ago, I believe it was on Conversations with History, said, we need liberals in charge. And I thought he meant in charge in Israel, but maybe he meant here. I don't know. But he said to win over uh, the world's Jewry because they are not on Israel's side. They're not wholly on Israel's side. The world's what? Jewry. The Jews of the oh, world. Okay. I think it was whatever word he used. I forget. But he he's Jewish. He was raised in Orthodox Jewish home. And he is like a hardline Israeli like Bibi Netanyahu. And he recognized that Jewish people around the world are not all on the side of the right. And Yitzhak Rabin was was assassinated by right wing Israelis, supposedly, when he was going to broker a deal with the Palestinians. So the Nor Norway Treaty, I think it was. So all I'm saying is the Jews are divided over how to approach this. And as they and and Elliot Abrams said, the way to get it done is to have prominent liberals bring those liberal Jews over. And and I was thinking that isn't there that technique where they acknowledge? I think it's like we were talking about it with. Uh, African-Americans and the vaccination where they acknowledge the fear, they acknowledge the problem. Yeah, they the way they talk about it in the narrative warfare strategies is to meet that target audience where they are so that you can bring them where you want them to be. So yes. that's not just like physically, but like emotionally recognizing we understand your concerns that that initial framing that those people have in their mind of whatever the situation is acknowledging that so you can then undermine and transform it yeah that it looks like what's happening to me and and, and it's not just my like recollection of what Elliot Abrams said about the uh, Jewish perception being split I was investigating the story I go to the Haaretz H-A-A-R-E-T-Z I think it's the liberal newspaper coming out of Israel. And there was a cover story there, like on the front page uh, of a, I think it was an Israeli government person saying, look, we really need to focus on the evangelicals in the U.S. because they're more united behind us, the right wing Israelis, than American Jews are. So they understand like far and wide, like past and present, they recognize that's an issue. And I always wondered that Ilan Omar and those guys like being combative like that, pressing the issue for the Democrats, that it was 
part of what Elliot Abrams had been cooking up. So I guess this is that that moment. I don't know. I would keep an eye on it. Yeah. Everything coming out of Israel, Palestine, it just seems reeks of massive war propaganda campaign. And I'm skeptical about every single second of it that I see. I I really I I had those observations, but I haven't been digging into the story so much. Maybe I'll have different observations once I do that. But someone did tweet at us saying, did you see that picture of the building in Gaza that was supposedly hit by a rocket? And it just had that like like midline pinch. Yeah. Yeah. And it just collapsed in on its own footprint. And and who knows? Demolition. Yeah. Was it even a current picture? I don't even know. Who knows? Yeah, all of it seems fog of war. It's easy to get away with a lot of propaganda when it's coming at people so fast. And in war times, that is when you're really going to see it laid on heavy. I haven't dug into it. I, I'm not going to claim to to have a lot of expertise in that subject over there. I don't. But I I do know that I, th- what we're seeing is just a intense propaganda right now. I, I don't. Yeah. One of the other leaders who was going to push out BB said, we can't push him out now that we have all this conflict. So I think it's definitely working in his in his favor. I'm not sure how much of this propaganda is for the Israeli population, how much for it is for us. But this is, I think, interesting when you like think of who who runs the world, you know, like there are these united factions. I mean, I always kind of come back to the conclusion that it's an elite an elite that that stands above there that exploits nationhood exploits ethnicity for their own and that in that elite there is a hierarchy and bb's just a guy you know biden's just a guy there are people you get to play that role and and if they're giving you what you want for it that's great in bb's case they're probably keeping him out of jail like he might be worried that if he loses power because there was that he's got some shady business behind him there's but definitely something shady yeah. about that guy, for sure. Super shady, super, super, super shady. But anyway, so I just, I think it's interesting. The reason I look at that stuff is that I feel like when you can see it from afar, maybe it gives you a little more insight in the true nature of power in the world today. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, and I'm intrigued by it. Uh, I want to learn more about it to I, I, I don't know. It's just so it's so distant. And our entire reality about it, about what's going on is being made up of what's coming through the screen. And, and unless you're there, unless you actually go yeah. there and experience some this, of this. It, 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 the our propaganda here in this country has always been very uniform. And it's always been true that in Israel, the conversation is way more robust. That's why I look at the different articles over there. I'm not usually that interested in it. I just... Stop paying attention to foreign affairs because, I mean, pretty much Scott Horton has it covered. And like when we were on WSB, people didn't they couldn't follow it. So you couldn't have people wouldn't call. And then you'd have to just be educating people. And that's not really what talk radio is all about. But now the headlines, you know, to follow the headlines, we're here to help people see through the propaganda Mm -hmm. of the headlines. And this rarely makes the headlines, but it's there now. And I think it will continue to unfold and we'll probably have more insights as it does. I think so. And it may be one of those things that's not entirely controlled because BB does seem rogue right now. I wonder. Yeah, he does. He he does have that appearance of being rogue, whether he actually is. Right. We don't knows. that I'm always suspicious of that, but he seems like 
uh, like Giuliani, like, wait, wait, I, I want a piece. Of, I want mine. And they're like, hey, man, take it like Cuomo. You're going down. Just take the five million yeah. and walk away. I'm like, yeah. no, I want more. <laughs> I was like, no. A question arises in my mind about how they separate issues in the reporting of things. For example, with the Israel-Palestine thing, Palestine, nobody's talking about COVID. Nobody's talking about social distancing. Nobody's talking. Do you wear right. masks during war? Are you supposed to social distance during war? I, you know. That, that might seem like a silly question, but the way that they have asked that question about every other issue, it would seem yeah. to be irrelevant when, when they're saying that this thing was responsible for so many deaths, which brings me to uh, the, the vaccinated portion of the show that I brought today. <laughs> Did you like hey that man, segue? Hey, man, it's hot. Like yeah, that, that was good. That was good. It's a hot topic for sure. Yeah. Talk about headlines. Right. So a, a, Nash, a Washington Nationals baseball player tested positive for COVID-19. This story really warps your mind when you, when you, when you think <laughs> about it. So this guy, it was a guy named Eric Freddy. He tested positive. He had been vaccinated with a Johnson & Johnson vaccination earlier this season. And after he tested positive, the team determined that he had come into contact with an unvaccinated player. Of course, if they're on the same team, they're probably going to come into contact with each other. And this is all leading to a, a point they make at the end of the, the article. But the unvaccinated player who did not test positive, they didn't say anything about him testing positive. He had to quarantine, right? So he didn't test positive, but he's unvaccinated, so he had to quarantine. The player who tested positive but was vaccinated does not have to quarantine and will be available to play tomorrow. So how you, you don't how test, can he positive, test positive. They don't know. There's these breakthrough cases they've been calling them right. breakthrough cases of COVID. But the real issue they're they're directing this article on anyway is that the player he came into close contact with, because he's not vaccinated, he's got. He, if you don't get vaccinated, you're going to have to quarantine, even if you don't test positive. But the person you came into contact with doesn't have to, as long as they've been vaccinated. And they they go on to say the Nationals have to test every other day because they have yet to reach the 85 percent vaccination threshold, which allows for relaxed protocols in Major League Baseball. So they're trying to push all because there's a lot of. A lot of players that are vaccine hesitant, so they're trying to corner them into taking the vaccine and convincing them they won't be able to play if they even come into contact with somebody who has a breakthrough positive test. It is a way. I really think they're pushing that eighty-five percent, and they—they, they, I think, they know that there will be a point at which people they are just not getting any more people to take that thing, and they've got a window, an yeah. information window. An information control window, um, maybe side effects rollout window, and they're just trying to hit it. Like I, I, I still don't think it will ever be mandated. I just, I mean, I'd have to see how corrupt the FDA is, what their approval process looks like when they're going to approve it. But this reminds me when Fauci said last week that people who have been vaccinated have such a tiny amount of the virus in them that they're not really contagious, which is just a complete effing lie because we saw on the CDC website that vaccinated people have a lower cycle threshold, which means that for them to get a positive, they have to have more yeah. of the DNA of the virus in their sample, not yeah. less. So it's the guy, the people who are vaccinated who are testing positive. If the CDC guidelines are being 
followed. And that's another thing. I've noticed with these these things, they ask you ahead of time. So I went, I took my daughter, she wanted a test and I got an antibody test. They asked you ahead of time if you had it, what your symptoms were, how severe they were. were they? That is just not the way tests work. And I knew when they were talking about it, I was like, you're writing that stuff down. They are going to put those in different batches like they tell you. So when I said I wanted an antibody test, I told her I didn't have it. It's like, I don't think I really had it. I don't know, but I just wanted an antibody test. So why would she ask me that? Why would she ask me about my symptoms? Because I took the antibody test twice. So the second time I told them I had it and I got a positive, but I had had it. Anyway, whatever. I'm just saying it, the way science works is you're not supposed to. It, that's a double, double visual rather than a double blind. Like, you know it. They know it. You have an opinion. They write that down. They whatever. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, we know so, that the meaning of science is very fluid these days. So. Well, that's the thing. They have now fully converted science into religion because this stuff is – have you noticed the Vax thing is about adherence, it's about ritual, it's about superstition, it's about being part of the community, it's about caring about your fellow members – yeah. Right. It's about because I was telling somebody recently at a get together that uh, she she was saying, well, I mean, obviously everybody's gotten the vax. I said, well, I haven't because I had it. You know, I'm not going to make a big stink. Wasn't like because I think I have a right to integrity and I don't believe in viruses. I'm not going <laughs> to say didn't that. Take the, you didn't decide to make that the hill. I did. And she was a pediatrician with two handicapped kids, and she was like really emphasizing the vaccine. I said I don't have to because my antibodies are actually based on the illness to the extent that's how antibodies work, as opposed to yours, which are based on some synthesized guessed at DNA. But Fauci and says that it's. That's still not good enough. It's better to right. have a vaccine. And she said, well, you're vaccine. supposed to take it anyway. I said, I'm much more resistant to it than you are. Is that so what he said? Yeah. And she said, but it's, but you could be super resistant. <laughs> and I said, well, I actually had the damn thing and I survived. So like, what, what are you going? And she just couldn't understand. Don't you why want I super want antibodies? But, you, but what is that? Like, what does that even mean? And I thought, why... She just made it up is what it means. Because yes, she's not and used to it's because it's, yeah. she was proselytizing me. You know, proselytizing is when you try to convince someone to join your religion. She was proselytizing me. Well, didn't work. And then the rituals. So now that I'm unclean, I have to wear a mask. So I have to like when I, whatever. It's just. And every so often, maybe every six months, you have to, in order to continue to, you know, Respect the gods, the gods of science. You have to yes. get a booster, a vaccine booster. Yes. And it's actually what it is, is it's a it's a virtue signal, obviously. I think I may be in the midst of losing a good friend over this. Really? Yeah. Who really thinks that I'm killing people by not getting the vaccination. There's no logic to that. There's zero logic to that. And, you know, it folds in with the brainwashing, too. The, the absolute lack of logic in the way that people are defending. I think it, it's illustrated in that story you just told where her response was, well, don't you want super, super <laughs> yeah, antibodies? Like, but what? What does that mean? That 2017 SPARS document talking about how to exploit partisan hatred to get people to embrace. They, they got them to embrace a therapeutic 
to show how much they disliked the Democrat president because the Democrat <laughs> president didn't like the therapeutic. I mean, that was in their strategy. I mean, we noticed it right away. It was like they were partisanizing your evaluation of this injection. Yeah. It's it's really it's absolutely ritualistic. Let's tell people what's in the patron 15 before we get to the last story of the free 30, which will be this. What would be the worst thing ever to happen to comedy? I'm done. Don't answer. Don't answer. (laughs) Don't answer. I'll give you a hint. It reminds me of the old saying, to tax is to destroy. This is going to be a play on that. And you should know all about it, Binkley, because it's your story. And (laughs) in the patron 15, again, you are going to test us both for trace amounts of racism. Is that correct? That's right. We're going to continue our testing for the antibodies. See if we have any antibodies. Asymptomatic racism. Like we're going to test for it. Asymptomatic racism. (laughs) We don't exhibit any of the symptoms of racism. Great way to describe inherent bias. (laughs) But but we might test positive based entirely on our genetics. Mm -hmm. Okay. And is the brave new world worth the blood it's written in? Interesting. We'll get to that in the patron 15 as well. But before we get to all that, a big thanks to the sponsor of today's show. You know our old friend Etienne de la Boetie Squared and his great book that you can find. He calls it The Liberator at government-scam.com. But last week I told you about a couple of books, uh, other books that he sent me. I actually think I had one of them already. One is a tiny little book called What Anarchy Isn't. It's a real small book. Every page are great, easy to understand, and very cute little illustrations. And I have to say, having had these books laying around, I think they were getting swiped by people. So I told you last week about the story of the teen who saw me reading this, who commented, I have that book. I have that book in my backpack. I have my book in that that book in my backpack because it is the (laughs) easiest book to understand that has ever been written. And in case anyone needs something to read, I'll just give it to them or if I think they're ready to read it. And it is. It's a great, great little book and it's cheap as dirt. So I think you can buy them by the pack at government-scam.com. And then the other one is a book that absolutely had to be written. And it's so I love stuff that reflects something I'd already thought. I always think philosophy should never really be taught to high schoolers unless they're real geniuses because by the time it takes it takes a lifetime to ponder the things that really push the edges of thought nobody ponders anymore though because nobody ponders that's true they're really never going to get anywhere if they fill their head with philosophy and they haven't pondered and and have no intention of pondering but as a ponderer (laughs) i had i had pondered that there was this unthinkable uh, assumption, the way that the question of whether or not there was a God was like unthinkable, like there were no words for it in the language in the Middle Ages. At least that's how I think about the Middle Ages. That's how we're taught about the Middle Ages. Maybe it's maybe that's a scam, like the God, the church had an ironclad grip on your mind. I don't know. But the way we're taught about how God was thought of in the Middle Ages is how government is thought of now. So people will never I mean, it. It really, this is how I got that WSB show. I said to someone basically this, 
that the way they thought about God in the Middle Ages is how people think about government here and that the necessity of government is an assumption that people make that has no basis. Like there, it is absolutely untrue, especially when you realize that society is self-ordering. It just makes no sense. And I would say to people like, did, did man come out of the trees because the government made it safe down on the ground? No, man came down out of the trees first and then some a-hole decided to exploit like someone's goodwill and trusting disposition and had them, hey, why don't you just uh, grow food here and live in this shack and I'll steal it from you when you harvest it. That is how I think of the emergence of government. And that is just a tiny fraction of the kind of simple thinking and truth and questioning of your assumptions that you'll find in the other book. Also by, I think, yeah, they're both by Larkin Rose, who people might know from a lot of other great work. So that book is called The Most Dangerous Superstition. So I, I suggest you go to government-scam.com and look at those offerings. Maybe you'll have a place for it. I certainly do. And if you love this show, you want to support us, support our sponsors, or support us, or at least stay in touch with us because I just don't know how long we're going to be able to have shows like this where we talk openly about uh, vaccines and everything else we talk about. Look what happened on WSB. Was it Epstein? Was it Stacey Abrams? Was it Event 201? Was it election integrity? What was it that got us thrown off? We'll never know, but we won't know what gets thrown us, gets us thrown off of Patreon. So go to thepropreport.com. And sign up for our newsletter or just register at that site. I should be able to transfer that over. We've got this great newsletter coming out June 1st. Please, Lord, if I have enough time before June 1st, actually get it all together and get it out to you. But in any case, it's a backup plan. So we have actually a couple of thousand emails. So we should be able to keep rolling if we get taken down from Patreon. But you're going to want to be in that group that that we reach out to and let you know where our location in the tunnels is going to be. So check that out. And if you don't like Twitter, go to the press pool where people in the community share headlines and talk about stories in the news. And then there's also a meetup tab. I'm going to be at Childerberg uh, Saturday, the Saturday of Memorial Day. I'm going to go to their event at the distillery. So that stuff's in there and you can check it out. And if you do become, if you get sick of these ads, they're not really ads. They're, they're community building including for sponsors and ourselves. But if you get sick of that stuff, then join patreon.com slash propaganda report. And even the the cheapest level there will get you all of our drive time news blasts and other propaganda report audio content, commercial free and continuous. So check that out too. Without further ado, let us get on to the last story of the free 30. So what is it that's the worst possible thing that could happen to comedy? I was going to say Amy Schumer, but I don't think that is what. <laughs> hey, it's connected. Kind because of. Because she, yeah. she, she is very closely related to a pretty uh, pretty scary government agent. But she it's, is. It's to, governments that to would. Chuck Schumer. Destroy. And what is the worst thing that could happen to comedy is the late show, all the late shows, the tonight show, the nothing but activism 
comedy where they, they're given big snaps and clap, clapping instead of actually laughing because they're just delivering the same messages as CNN. Well, if you like Funny or Die, the website, it has now been bought by Henry Munez, who became the first Latino and first openly gay person to be the Democrat National Committee finance chair back in 2019. He's a powerful Democrat, and he announced his acquisition of Funny or Die on Wednesday. He's going to be the sole owner of the site. He'll own the brand, its content library, as well as its social media properties, which is interesting. I don't know if they're on there anymore. I used to be on a number of things on Funny or Die, but I know they revamped things, and a lot of stuff that was up there got taken down. So I don't know if it's still there, but if it is, he owns content that I'm in. If it's still there, I don't know that it is. But in a statement, he said this, and this gives a little bit of insight into the direction that Funny or Die is going to be going, even though they were already a little bit already activism type. He says, the future of comedy and entertainment is in companies that empower talent and creative forces to make content that reflects the cultural identity of our country at this moment in time. So what he's saying, what I take from that is it's not about reflecting the cultural identity. It's about shaping the cultural identity. It's about shaping it in the direction of those who fund you. That's what I, that's what I, I what I was thinking about, like why it's the worst thing that could ever happen to comedy is there's government funding involved, I think, isn't there? Yeah, the, it goes on to say with his they're talking about Munez with his unique background in social activism and business, as well as his finance background with the Democrat National Committee, he's a perfect person to guide Funny or Die into the future. And under his ownership, Funny or Die will be able to quote, deficit finance certain projects. So they'll be able to fund certain projects that that Funny or Die can take debt on through government funding. Are you sure it's government funding? That's what deficit finance was when I looked it up, and and that seems to be what they're talking about. I think now that I think about it, maybe, maybe, and I'll tell you why, but it could also mean that, that they're willing to take a loss that he's going to bankroll it so that he can get this, he can social, make it like a social justice thing, even though that would never make any money. That's possible. That's yeah. what they're saying. But I want to pick up on something that you said is this idea of the extent to which they, capital T, with the little TM sign, I've trademarked it. <laughs> so they, not, the new, not the new term. That's the new term. You're not allowed to use it without floating me a buck. So they uh, are so they they are so committed to social manipulation engineering. I actually think that there will be a way for him to get the government funding. I'm not sure you like have that information handy, but but one of the stories I did not get to today, which I will get to tomorrow, is uh, the extent to which these social engineering projects are funded entrepreneur, like social entrepreneur, all that stuff. I I just fell into a rabbit hole this morning, tracing it to the State Department, to to, um, initiatives in New York about government contracts and how, I mean, this stuff, these these movements that go hand in hand with the World Economic Forum and uh, such like that do end up getting paid for in some cases with tax debt. And just to see how, I mean, it's like a different world. It's a different world. If you're not exposed to it, the public and private sector is so different. If you hear public sector people talking about stuff, it's all, 
um, manipulation. And I mean, it's never about value added and bottom line and stuff. It's really, anyway, that'll be for tomorrow. I have a big story on that. Yeah. And I'll try to find if they say anything specific about this being government funded. I got the sense that it was the way they talk about it in this article, but I'm going to look for something specific because he'll, I- he'll tap into these things that I found, like these mm-hmm. ways to get them funded, I'm sure. But yeah, it would be interesting to hear that. I have uh, one quick shout out before we go to the patron 15. Are you finished with that? Yeah, let me tell you, I just found thing? one more quote that he said that's actually relevant. He says, as we're moving from crisis to recovery, I felt the combination of Munez's background in finance and activism could be something important, big and important. If there was ever a time when comedy content and information were important, this is the moment. That's just an open advertisement that we're going to use this channel for propaganda. Yeah. Uh, oh, they they have to kill comedy. Kill uh, Comedy is the comedy points out absurdity. They can't have it. They can't have it. And the uh, eliminating all cultural references from comedy like that's how you get comedy it's like oh i just moved into this neighborhood in brooklyn and it's all like people from this other place and you wouldn't believe this funny thing that they all do ha, you ha, can't ha. do you those jokes it. anymore <laughs> yeah i mean it's the exact opposite of what we would do ha, ha ha you know it's like okay it's like you can't and i remember my uncle told me a long long time ago he thought catholics had the best sense of humor because they had the most rigid sense of what was like acceptable because they were so tight they could say like anything that wasn't yeah you know you could laugh at it and that that keeps the community tight that keeps those barriers in place that keeps social norms organic you know i think maybe anyway but i overlooked a shout out from a while back. So if people are listening, I do have a little bit of a backlog of a shout out. But after a while, the next couple of weeks, if you don't hear your shout out, you'll have to send it to me again. Um, every once in a while, I do overlook one. But here's from our good friend, Jared, who is at Neighbors, brought me, bought me, by the way, at Neighbors, he bought me this beautiful book. Look at this, Binkley. Did I show you this when we were together? Gaia's Garden. It's beautiful. Even the book itself is beautiful. It's a it's a guide to home scale permaculture. That's sweet. So that was super nice. Anyway, I'll say Jared, when I, I met Jared at, at Neighbors, I, I went to shake his hand and he said, "I'm a hugger. We hug." And I get I, I like that. He probably needed a hug. He was on the road for hours getting to us, and he wasn't the only one. And his lovely gal. It was really a great great time. Uh, so. I feel extra bad that I forgot a shout out or I overlooked it. I didn't forget it. So he says, shout out to the homesteaders and real life agorists in this community and around the world. The agorist community continues to grow and blossom. I love the imagery in amazing ways. I'll add a few particular shout outs for individuals and podcasts really helping to teach me. Jack Spierko with the survival podcast. We probably need to have him on. Uh, Sal. The Agorist, another one. Unloose the Goose, Nicole Sauce with Living Free in Tennessee. And I can't help but also shout out Timeline Earth. We know those guys for keeping the comedy in my week. Investigate Childerberg. They're going to be at Childerberg. I'm going to be at Childerberg that Saturday afternoon. I hope Jared's going to be there and some of those other guys. That would be fun. Binkley, you might, you should consider a road trip. I'm considering. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to make it happen. All right. Well, we it would probably involve putting DNB on hold for a week if you yeah. had to drive to Austin. So with that, a long-awaited patron 15. 
All right. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at the propreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content we've been telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and join up there. Or you can go to rockfin.com and join there where we have released a new deep dive video podcast yesterday and you can check that out. We will talk to you all tomorrow or in the patron 15. Have a fantastic rest of your day.